If you will, turn with me, please, to John's Gospel, chapter 3. John's Gospel, chapter 3, one of my favorite places in all the Bible to preach from. Preach probably more messages from right here than anywhere else. And I want to share a word with you this morning. And before you think, well, he's preached that sermon 50 times. I sure have. <laughs> and I'll preach it 50 more, too. Uh, why? Because you must be born again. That's why. Um, no, but I want to share a word with you this morning, if I can keep from coughing to death on you. In the coming year, God's given me a vision. And without vision, people perish. And God's given me a fresh vision. He's really done a work in my heart while I've been down and really revealing some things about me. Some things that are not comfortable for me. But God's moving me up. And he wants to move us all up. He wants to move us up as a church. There is no higher, deeper level than being born again. But God has called us to grow in, in grace and knowledge. And that's what I want us to do. I want us to grow in grace and knowledge and, and grow in his word. And so God's carrying me deeper. He's shown me some areas of my life that I've been slack in. And so for the next year or so, <coughs> I said that right. I said year, and I meant year. For the next year or so, we're going to look at some doctrines of the Bible. Um, and, and this is such a melting pot church. I love this church. One of the things I love about this church is I'm an old Southern Baptist. Larry's an old Pentecostal. Brother Clyde's an old Assembly of God. I mean, we're just a melting pot. And I love it. I think it's great. I think it's awesome. The thing that I love about this place is it's a place where I truly believe that the, the heart of the, my, you know, I know nobody's heart, but the, the seemingly the heart of the church is to love God and to worship God with our lives. I believe that's true of most everybody here. I don't know of a single person that I don't really believe that about in this place. And so it's very important to me that we come at the word <clears throat> not from, from Baptist spin or from an assembly spin or a Pentecostal spin from a Bible spin, if, if, you, if I can use that word spin. I want us to be biblical. I want us to grow in grace and knowledge biblically from the scriptures. Not because that's what Baptists believe or what assembly believes or what Pentecostals believe, but that's what the Bible teaches from cover to cover. We want it to harmonize from cover to cover. And for the next year or so, <coughs> I think it'll take a year to do it at least, I want us to look at the, the role of the church, period. The role of the church, the the role in the life of the church in our community, the role of the church in our lives, the role of the church members, the role of the deacons, the role of the pastor. I want us to look at those things afresh and anew. I know what I believe, DJ, and I know why I believe it. But I want us to take a fresh look at it, and I want all of us to do that together. So you be praying for me, and there's nowhere we, we cannot possibly start a study like that without starting with the new birth. You just can't do it. Because everything hinges on knowing God in the new birth. The new birth, John chapter 3, <clears throat> verse 1. Jesus, the speaker here. And so the Bible says the man, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher come from God, for no one can do the, thing, the signs you, that you do unless God is with him. And Jesus just cut it to the chase. He said, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now I realize he's talking to the president 
of the Southern Baptist Convention. He's talking to the high priest. He's talking to the most religious guy in all of Israel. The teacher of Israel. That's a title, by the way. The teacher of Israel. Are thou the teacher of Israel? And you don't know these things you're fixing to hear? He, that's a title he had. He was the man who was responsible for the, the teaching of the Torah. Now listen to what he said. He said, Jesus answered and said, I say unto you, lest one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him in verse 4, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus answered, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh. But that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. Verse 8 says, the wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but you can't tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone born of the Spirit. Nicodemus answered and said to him, how can these things be? And Jesus answered and said to him, are you the teacher of Israel? And you don't know these things? Most assuredly, I say to you, we speak what we know and testify what we have seen, and you do not receive our witness. If I have told you earthly things and you don't believe, how will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended to heaven but he who has come down from heaven. That is the Son of Man who is in heaven. And as Moses, this caught his attention right here. Verse 14, he told Nicodemus, he said, And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God so loved the world, the cosmos, the creation, that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for your word, Lord. <coughs> I thank you for your, for your grace and your mercy, for your love. But God, I thank you for power. And Lord, Holy, I pray, Holy Spirit, you pour over me this morning. God, enable my voice, enable my lungs, Lord. God, enable <coughs> every part of me, God, to, to preach as a dying man to dying you. God, I love you. I give you this time for your glory. We ask you to speak in Jesus' name. Amen. The new birth. There's so many different people we've heard me use this kind of language before there's so many different opinions on what it takes to go to heaven you take the presbyterians and the methodists for example they're basically the same thing only one major difference i've never said it like this this is the first time i've ever said it. god showed me this this week as a study they're basically a people who believe in morality the difference in the two is the Presbyterians, God is completely in control. But it's morality. The Methodist, the man is completely in control, but it's morality-based salvation. They're both wrong. They're both wrong. You take Mormons, and I have to get Becky to stand up and really lay this out. I don't study them. They don't fascinate me. But what I know about them is this, it's ritual. It's a lot, it's, it's akin to Roman Catholicism, it's ritualistic. 
all kind of different rituals. Would that be a wrong statement, Becky? I mean, it's a lot of different rituals. We'll sum them up. It's works. That's exactly right. It's just like Roman Catholicism. It's works, works, works. So <clears throat> we picked on them a little bit. We get Jehovah's Witnesses in there. We'll throw them in there. I don't know any more moral people than Mormons and Jehovah's Witnesses. Very moral people. Very honest people. Hard-working people. Same thing with Jehovah's Witnesses. It's works. Works. Watchtower spreading the watchtower material. All kind of things. We can go on and on and on and on and on. We can get into Buddhism. We can get into all this other stuff. Then we can get to Southern Baptists. That's my favorite to pick on because I are one. Southern Baptists have taken the most radical thing in the universe, the new birth, and reduced it to a five-point plan. What heresy? What absolute heresy? I said heresy, and I meant heresy. Because it is, is it, what happens when a man's saved? Yes, everything on the Roman road happens when a man's saved. But let me tell you something. The Roman road can't save you, dear friend. Jesus saves. No plan can save a man. Only the man, Christ Jesus, can save. And we've taken that right, we've taken salvation. And in, I think, very good motivation. But good motivations carry people to hell. Very good motivations, Jeffrey. We carry people, we try to simplify salvation. And we try to, salvation is very simple. It's so simple, a small child can understand it. But you, my friend, are very complicated. You, you, it does not matter if you're an eight-year-old child or if you're an 80-year-old man. You must come to a place of understanding who you are. You must come to a place of understanding that the garment is no good. You don't need a new patch on an old garment. You need to throw that garment out and get a new one. You need a new garment. The garment is no good. That's what's wrong. We have churches uber filled to capacity with people who know everything there is to know about Jesus, but they don't know Jesus. They've come to a place of accepting and digesting a plan, but they've never come to a place where they've digested the man, Christ Jesus. And they're lost in their sin, and it's radical, and it breaks my heart. It causes me sleepless nights. It causes my health to fade. It causes me to have... A, a longing in my heart and in my soul and in my mind because I told Larry recently, I think, and it haunts me of men standing before the Lord Jesus saying, Lord, Lord, didn't we do this? Didn't we do that? Didn't we preach in your name? Didn't we do miracles in your name? Didn't we do wonders and signs in your name? And him replying to them, depart from me. I never knew you. I can't think of anything that causes me more sleep loss than that. So how can we study the work of the church, the ministry of the church, the ministry of the deacon, the ministry of the pastor, the ministry of the church member? How can we study these things and we don't start at the new birth? What is the new birth? Well, first of all, let me tell you what it's not. Jesus is talking to Nicodemus here, and he says, Nicodemus, listen to me. I know who you are. I knew you before you were formed in the womb. 
and you're a good guy. And Nicodemus was a good guy. I believe Nicodemus went on and got saved. I believe him and Joseph of Arimathea were both went on and got saved. <coughs> but Jesus said, Nicodemus, unless you're born again, you can't see these things. You're wanting to know things you cannot possibly understand in your flesh because they're of the Spirit. You can't understand. Let me tell you what they're not, Baptist. They're not praying a prayer. The new birth is not praying a prayer and asking Jesus into your heart. That's not what it is. Is it, is it wrong to come to an altar broken in, in under the weight of sin and coming to the realization of who you are and coming in repentance and get on your face and cry out, God, please save me, a sinner. I've messed it off. No, that's not wrong. But is that what saves? No, that's not what saves. Jesus saves. So it's not praying a prayer. The Bible tells us in over 640 places in the Bible it says repent. It teaches repent. Repent. Repentance. <clears throat> I'm not going to take a lot of time on this message and break down each one of these, but I'm going to go over an overview. Repentance <coughs> includes biblical belief, biblical understanding of who you are in the eyes of God, and understanding who God is. Repentance sums up a lot. That's why in six, over 640 places the Bible commands us to repent. Jesus said, unless a man repents, he'll perish. So it's not just praying a prayer, digesting some plan of salvation that saves a man. But not only is it not praying a prayer, as I wrote it out in my notes, it's not a, it's not a profession of faith. I got in an argument this week with a guy. <clears throat> Actually, I didn't get in an argument. I just told him, it's a friend, you don't know your Bible. Sorry for sounding arrogant. I'm just to a place where I'm not arguing anymore. Somebody, he wants to take Acts 2.38, which is true. It's good. It's right. But they want to take one verse and try to nullify over 640. And he's trying to tell me you got to be baptized to be saved. No, sir. Baptism is an outward expression of an inward transformation that has taken place. It has nothing to do with salvation. It is the Can I say, this is the way I told him. I said, it is the official, if you will, profession of faith. That's why Paul told him in Acts 2, or not Paul, but Peter told him in Acts 2.38, repent and be baptized. What he was saying, be born again. And then let everybody know, with, and Paul said in, in, in Romans 10, with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. The salvation is taking place by work of the Spirit of God. And what you're doing when you come through those baptismal waters, you're making a public profession, a confession of your faith. It has nothing to do with the, with the saving part. Jesus saves. Not no whole words. <clears throat> so it's not praying a prayer. It's not profession, profession of faith. <clears throat> Matthew 7, 21 is pretty clear. Romans 20, I mean, excuse me, Revelation 2015 is very clear that it ain't church membership. Man, listen, when my father got saved, <coughs> my uncle, <coughs> it freaked him out, his baby brother. And he comes slipping, I'm sorry for wheezing so bad. My uncle come up to me and he said, what's this I hear about Jimmy joining the church again? What's this I hear about Jimmy joining the church again? I said, Al, he didn't join the church, son. He got saved. Ain't church membership. 
But see, in his mind, the way he's been taught, the way he had been raised, joining the church equated to salvation. How? How foolish. I mean, I don't know another word. I'm not trying to be mean or hateful. It's just deception, brother. That's all it is. It's just deception. Old devil will give you anything you want to. It's not church membership. You can be a member of every church in town and go straight to hell. Many will say to me that day, Lord, Lord, whosoever was not found written on the hurricane roll. No, that's not what it says. It says whosoever was not found written in the Lamb's book of life was cast into the lake of fire. We've already kind of covered this, and so I won't spend much time at all here, but it's not baptism. We've already covered that. It's not good works. We've covered that kind of picking on the Baptist and on the Methodists and the Presbyterians. It's not good works. <coughs> it doesn't matter what you do. It's not about what you do or what you've done or what you've not done. Ephesians 2 is so very clear that it is, cannot be misunderstood. It is by grace the grace of God that anyone can be saved because no one measures up. Jesus looked at him and he said, I'll pay for certain unless your righteousness exceeds, exceeds that of the Pharisees. You'll in no wise want to enter the kingdom of heaven. Can you imagine? They had a list of do's and don'ts that they kept perfectly. They kept it so perfectly that they bound the word of God on their forehead. Man, it was just amazing what lengths they went to to be a Pharisee. And he said, unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the Pharisees. How are you going to do that? Faith in Christ. Because he did. It's not good works. But all this is probably the most dangerous one. And I'm not going to spend a lot of time here. It's not an emotional experience. Now, is salvation emotional? Yes, many times it is. I've seen several times in my ministry where people had just struggled with it for years. Years, I said. They had struggled. And they finally come to a place and there was very little emotion in it. There was just a relief and a release. A death to self and a calm assurance that God had done that work. We're going to talk about that a little more in just a minute. But it wasn't really emotional for James Pugh, a good friend of mine. It was just very matter of fact. But the transformation that's taken place in his life is, a, is pretty remarkable. See, it's not, I've, I've met people, and I've told you these stories, and I don't want to belabor it, I don't want to take a bunch of time up. But I've met people who have seen visions, literally. I'm not kidding, I'm not trying to be spooky, I'm not trying to be funny. I've met people who have seen visions, but they're living like hell. I've met people who have heard out loud voices, but they're living like hell. They've ne their, their heart has never been transformed. I don't care what happened that day. I don't care if you were slain in the spirit. If your life wasn't transformed to a place that it can't, I'm not talking about being perfect. I'm talking about the direction of your life moved toward Christ from that day forward. I don't care what happened. It wasn't the Holy Ghost. It was a ghost, all right, but it wasn't the Holy Ghost because the Holy Ghost, when He comes, He transforms hearts. He transforms life. And my friend, you're never the same. Am I perfect? No, I'm not. But buddy, I ain't never been the same. 
I can't get over it. I can't get away from him. Thank God. So that's what the new birth is not. Let me tell you what the new birth is. He looked at little Nicodemus. He said, look, son, he said, unless you're born again, you can't understand these things. You won't understand something that's of God with a human mind, and it ain't going to work. This is what it is. Luke 13, 5, Jesus looked at them and he tell you, he was, they were ramping and raving about a tower falling on some people and all kind of bad things happening. He said, I tell you, if you don't repent, you're a likewise perish. What the new birth is, is I've already touched on it, repentance. 600, over 640 places. Acts 3, 19, really cut and dry. Convent and be, repent and be converted by the Spirit of God. But this is the second thing, and I'm going to come, I'm going to go on through the message, and I'm going to come back to this. This is so key to salvation that it's, un, I mean, it's not, you can't say it enough, but it's been talked about so much in a wrong context that people, many people misunderstand it. What salvation is, is belief. It's repentance and it's faith. You've, you've heard talk, we, we preach repentance and faith around here. That's right, that's what we preach. It's belief. It's the Greek word pistuo. It's a belief. <clears throat> it's a belief that I'm standing on the edge, on the rim of the Grand Canyon. I have no hope. And I'm just going to fall off knowing that God will catch me. That's what belief is. But even with that illustration, that dramatic illustration, it's still hard to understand. It's still, I'm gonna, we're going to come back to it in just a minute. I'm going to go on for now, but I'm going to tell you this about belief. The rich young ruler believed, but the Bible said he went away lost. John talked about many believed, but Jesus didn't commit himself to them because he knew their heart. We're going to come back to this in just a few minutes. The south, what the new birth is is repentance and belief. <clears throat> Thirdly, we're coming back to it now, but I want to get on through this for just a minute and get this down. What the new birth involves. This is very important stuff right here. He says, Nicodemus, you can't understand these heavenly things with your earthly mind. So this is what the Bible tells us that the new birth involves. In John 3, 5, he said, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water, that's the birth from mama, and the spirit, that's the second birth from God it involves number one the spirit of God friends that's where people miss it so often listen here we go listen closely brother Tyler does not not believe children can be saved but we so often mistake even in adults this is true in adults we mistake curiosity with Holy Spirit conviction I can't stress to you, the Bible is so clear in so many places that salvation is a sovereign work of the Spirit of God. It is not yours. It is not mine. We don't get saved. God saves us. You catch that? You can't get saved. God saves you. It is a work of the Spirit of God. It involves, the new birth involves the Holy Spirit, number one. You must be you must come to a place, 
And the Bible lays out some other parameters around this, how the Spirit works. You have to come, be brought to a place of understanding. It may be dramatic for you, the, next per, the person next to you. Everybody's story is different with the same ending. You may not be an emotional purpose person. I'm very emotional. When God devastated me that day on that front pew, I was weeping. I've seen men saved, DJ, that didn't shed a tear. I, I say, I can't lift your heart, but I believe they were saved. Their lives are changed. So it's different for everybody, but it involves the Spirit of God, number one. But number two, it involves the Word of God. Listen, dear friend. I have heard people talk about all these, these testimonies and all this, and people are going to say I'm judgmental. Well, maybe I am. This right here is very judgmental. I had a seminary professor tell me about being, being you know, carried to the desert and this and that. And, all, and nothing about the Word of God, nothing about the Spirit of God. Am I judging a man? Well, maybe I am. But these testimonies in this Bible for a reason. You ought to be able to find your testimony in the Scriptures, or I don't believe you've got one that's biblical. I want a biblical testimony. I can carry you in the Old Testament to... Uh, to uh, um, the prophet Samuel's conversion. That's my Old Testament testimony. I can carry you to the New Testament and show you a man over in the New Testament, Cornelius. And that's my New Testament. My testimony lines up with theirs. Yours may be like old Peter. You may have just been an old hand and God reached down and saved you. You know, you may have been the woman at the well. You, I don't know. Everybody's story is different, but with the same outcome. It involves the Spirit of God, but it also involves the Word of God. James 1.18 tells us this very clearly, and I want to read it from the text. I don't want to misquote it. I want us to read it. 1.18 says this, Of His own will, He brought us forth by the Word of truth, that He might be a kind of first fruit for all His, his creatures, 1 Peter says this. 1 Peter says, <clears throat> I knocked my notes over. 1.23 says, <clears throat> Having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible through what? The Word of God which lives and abides forever. Do you see why I read, wanted to be precise in reading it? It's so important. My friends, listen. There's so many crazy testimonies. We've, we've taken anything for a testimony. We've taken anything. I'm sorry. If I'm mean, I'm just mean, brother. I don't want to be mean. I want to be biblically correct because I don't want you standing there crying, Lord, Lord, Brother Tyler didn't tell me. He didn't warn me that I had to line up with the Scriptures. He said anything goes. That's not what Brother Tyler's taught. That's not what Larry Bryant's taught. That's not what DJ's taught that I've heard. I'm telling you right now, you must be born again. You must be born again according to the Scriptures, not according to what Baptists say, not according to what Assembly says. Not according to what Presbyterians say, but according to what the Scriptures say. When the Spirit of God brings a man to that transforming place of understanding that they're lost in their sin, 
And they turn and they take sides with God against themselves. God, you're right. I'm lost. And I can't fix it. That repentance, that changing of mind, it transforms the heart. I'm telling you right now, it takes the Spirit of God, it takes the Word of God. But I'm going to tell you a third thing it takes too. We leave this one out because most men are too humble to preach this. I'm not because it's what the Bible teaches. It takes the preaching of the Word. 1 Corinthians says this in 121. He says, I've chosen to save men by the foolishness of preaching. I don't apologize for it. Do I believe man's got to be sitting inside a church building to get saved? No, as a matter of fact, most of the people I know that really have fruit in their lives of being saved wasn't saved inside the church building. I was, but most of the people I know was. I hear many times, I've got a good buddy, he pulled over on the side of the road, and he laughed. He's so funny. He said, man, I got saved in that Johnson grass on the side of the road. <laughs> man, I couldn't go no further. He said, I believe if I'd want another, another mile, a motor blowed up in that truck. He pulled that big pipeline truck over on the side of the road, and that crew sitting there looking at him like he's crazy. He's laying over in that grass on the side of the road, crying out to God. God brought him to the place. That was the top of his tree, Zacchaeus. That was the top of his tree. God brought him there. Includes spirit of God, word of God, preaching, but it also, hallelujah, it's got to involve the cross of Calvary. John 3 says this so plainly and so beautifully and so clear, and I close my Bible to John 3 and don't have to hunt it. <clears throat> he says, but whoever drinks, <clears throat> he says, all right, Siri, hush. As Moses lifted up the serpent, old Nicodemus just caught his attention. He said, as the serpent was lifted up, Nicodemus knows that story. Well, he's taught that story and never understood it. Think about that. And never understood it. He said, just as the serpent was lifted up in the wilderness, even so the Son of Man must be lifted up. Friend, there ain't a hope in the world for none of us because Jesus had to went to that cross. No hope for none of us. He says that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God didn't send his son into the world to condemn it. But that the world through that cross might be saved. Man, that's it. For just a moment, I want to close out with belief. Back in point two of the message, if you keep notes, what the new birth is, is repentance and belief or faith, if you want to use that word. It comes from the same Greek root word. Pistis, pestuo. James 2.19 says, Even the demons believe and tremble. So it ain't talking about a head knowledge. Well, I'm going to tell you about some different kinds of beliefs and we'll be through. See, <clears throat> there was a lot of di there's a lot of different beliefs out there. There's very few people in Choctaw County who don't believe in Jesus. I don't know of a one. I don't know of a single person in Mississippi that don't believe in Jesus to some extent. 
but that's not what it's talking about. So he, want, he talked about half-hearted belief here back in chapter 2 of John in verse 23 and 24, just up the page. He said, now when he was at, in Jerusalem at the Passover during the feast, many believed in his name when they saw the signs that he did. But Jesus did not commit himself to them because he knew all men. So there's a half-hearted belief. There's a belief that'll believe as long as I'm getting heaven out of this deal. That's not what the new birth is about. It's not about that. It's not about you not going to hell. I can say this because only in the power of the Spirit, I truly believe, I can only say this now on this side of the cross. I don't know of anything I'd change if I knew hell was at the end of it. I'd love him and serve him. I would. I mean... He's worthy. He's just good. And he's worthy of my life. It's not about what I get out of him. And I have nothing to offer. It's just that he's worthy of my life. There's a half-hearted belief. Be very, very careful of believing for what you get out of the deal. I believe there's people die of disease but wanting to be healed because of what they, they their belief is based on them getting healed. Don't hear that wrong. I don't mean that hateful or mean or nothing else. But I, I, I've seen people that was willing to come to Christ if he would just fix their marriage. I, they, they're willing to come to Christ if he would just heal that old body. That friend, he's not a coach. You don't put your money in and get something. Half-hearted belief. Or maybe it may even be this one. Um, kind of a selfish belief. Self-serving believers. That's those that are out there in Matthew 7. Bless their hearts, man. I, after a long time, I wouldn't even talk about those verses. It, it upset me. And I couldn't. I'd weep. But I see a group of people Standing for the Lord Jesus, crying out, knowing. They know the Bible. Friend, they know the Bible. They know what's fixing to happen. They know they're doomed and they're damned. And they're crying out, Lord, didn't we do this? Didn't we do that? And that, that old heart is just showing who they really are. It's all about them. It's all about them. It's all about them. What they could get out of the deal, because they enjoyed the good the good wholesome moral life man I know plenty of people that would live trashy you know Donna they ain't gonna live trashy no matter what they're just good folks good folks what the tragedy will be when they stand there and they realize my life is all about me just an old self-serving belief but hallelujah over here in the back, all through it really from cover to cover, we learn about a saving belief, a belief that can't be conjured up. So you can't, you can't work this belief up. It's given to you. It's that belief that puts you in that baptistry for the right reasons. 
See, a lot of people want to believe in Christ, but they're not willing to do that until they feel saved. That's never going to happen. If I go on how I feel or what I think, I'm standing up here preaching to you as a lost man. But if I believe what that Bible says, I'm a redeemed child of God. Not because of anything I did, but because of what he did. You see, it's very different. It's a saving belief. It's a belief not motivated by selfish ambition. Ephesians says, you were dead and he made you alive. How did that happen? What does that look like, Tyler? I want to know so I can believe right. When you were sitting there at whatever point, 8, 10, 40, 70, and you had that realization. This is me. I'm lost. I, there's nothing I have to offer. I can't believe enough. I can't do any good deeds that they All I do is receive this by faith. Not based on how I'm going to feel. Because what you say is true. And I'm taking, I'm taking, I'm receiving it by faith, Lord. I don't feel any, I don't feel any feelings, but maybe I'm weightless and weak. None of that matters. That's outward. But that heart is saying, Lord, I receive this because what you say is true. I'm going to get in that baptistry and tell everybody. That I have received Christ based on Him, based on His Word, not on how I feel. Friends, that's the new birth. That's that saving belief that He's talking about. You who were dead and made alive. You walked in this death for all this time. But because of his goodness, he woke you up to who you were. And by faith, you received his word. And he saved me. You see that? That good stuff. Man, you don't have to sit there and wonder. But you may not feel these feelings of pain. You might. Some people do, and that's great. Praise God. You may not, but it doesn't matter how you feel. It's what he said. It's what he said. Today, as we get ready to shut the service out, I wonder if you're here today and you would stand to your feet and say, God has revealed to me many times perhaps, but I never have been able till now because of his enabling receive what he says he'll save me if I receive him by faith is there anyone like that anyone at all just stand to your feet today confession is made until salvation and then we'll do it officially in a few days and I said we got some folks we got to put in this basket